0: One of the greatest ironies is that my worst class in high school was English. I was a terrible writer, and I wasn't very good at uh, knowing much about literature of the English language. But lucky for you, since you have to hear me preach every week, and lucky for me, I had some really fantastic high school English teachers really out of this world. And today's gospel passage is actually one of the greatest literary works of the Bible, and it has two literary devices I'd like you to notice, uh, devices that I first learned about from Miss Lillig in 11th grade English class when we studied the Scarlet Letter*. I don't know how many of you have to read that anymore. But anyway, the first thing I'd like you to notice is symbolism of light and dark. In the Scarlet Ladder, those people who are in the light know the truth. They have the ability to grow in faith. In the Gospel of John, sight is a metaphor for the ability to believe in Jesus Christ. The second element I'd like you to notice is dramatic irony. As there's these multiple scenes in this Gospel passage, and again, it's a very long passage. If your knees are bothering you, feel free to sit when we hear it. Um, it's just dramatic that um, those in the Gospel of John, the, the ones who are blind to what Jesus is doing are the scholars of the law, the Pharisees. They're blind to Jesus' power. In the Scarlet Letter, Hester Prynne, the heroine, wears an A on her clothes to indicate that she was caught in the sin of adultery. But she refuses to name her lover. And I won't tell you who it is, so if you ever read the book, you'll be surprised. Um, The one great irony in that book at the beginning scene is that Hester alone stands in the sunlight... While all the Boston Puritans who are condemning her publicly are standing in the dark. How about us? Have we refused to acknowledge God's presence in our own lives? Let's take a moment to reflect on that. Jesus' healing of a blind man born from birth blind is a miracle of the highest degree. In this man's successive encounters with Jesus, he comes to a deeper and deeper faith. First he calls Jesus, the man called Jesus. Then he calls him a prophet. Then a man from God. And finally, Lord. Yet the Pharisees close their eyes to the obvious power that Jesus accesses through the Father. How could they be so blind? Well, all of us have blind spots. There are things that we just do not see in who we are that are so obvious to everybody around us. We have an example in our first reading. Samuel tells Jesse that God has selected one of his sons to be the next king of Israel. And Jesse presents his first seven sons to Samuel and Samuel says it's not any of these guys and Jesse doesn't think that it could possibly be his eighth son out in the field Samuel has to ask if there's another son for me in my late 20s my music friends and my church friends would continually comment that they thought that my desire for organization and preparation were kind of off the deep end and I know at least one person out here, John, who still thinks I'm that way. But uh, (laughs) I didn't think they got it. I I said, I'm an engineer. I have to be this way. It wasn't until I entered the seminary that the formation team opened my eyes. And I give you one very specific, a little embarrassing example. I had learned to cook on my own. And it wasn't until I went to the seminary that I cooked with other people. And I discovered that I had a very strange way of chopping my vegetables. I chopped them one piece at a time into almost exactly the same sizes. And then I saw these other people who just put the pile of vegetables down, chop, 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 and they were done. And it tasted just fine. I've worked really hard in the last 10 years to understand where my desire for control and organization comes from. I think I've come a long way, but... I will always play Felix Unger, the Father Charlie's Oscar Madison. I'm still working at it. One of the best things about being in campus ministry is working with so many students, both graduates and undergraduates. Your lives move so quickly. You learn so much about yourselves over a short period of time. And each time any of us learn anything about ourselves. It's an opportunity to ask the Holy Spirit to help us grow in wisdom and grace. I went to school at the University of Rochester and our Newman community had a bulletin every week and the front of the bulletin always had this quote at the top from John Henry Newman. It said, To live is to change and to be perfect is to have changed often. To live is to is to change, and to be perfect is to have changed often. I think one of the life skills we're called to learn in college and in our 20s is adaptability, to learn the ability to look at things from various perspectives, to be willing to change. A theology professor of mine who also had a PhD in psychology often said, being an adult means being able to live in ambiguity. Rigid people have a hard time growing. They're like withered plants that are brittle, easy to break. But the word Lent comes from an old German word meaning springtime. So has the Holy Spirit invited you this Lent to refresh your prayer life, to bend in new ways, to open your eyes to new possibilities in your relationship with God. It can be scary to look at things from new perspectives. Often when we look at ourselves in a new way, we see ourselves in a less flattering light. Believe me, I have made many personal discoveries that are much more embarrassing than how I chop my vegetables, but I'm not going to share them tonight. They laughed at 5.30 at that one. The man born blind, when he is cured by Jesus, is suddenly forced to face the Pharisees in their attempts to trip up Jesus. But he rises to the occasion. He boldly proclaims his faith in front of them. Just like three people are going to do tonight. Adam, Julie, and Ryan, who are preparing to be baptized in 20 days. It's coming are going to stand in front of us tonight to ask for our prayers. In the Scarlet Letter, Hester Prynne's pregnancy forces her into the harsh light. Public scandal. But Nathaniel Hawthorne tells us that this begins a process of transformation in her life with nothing to hide and nothing to fear. She uses her skills in nursing to care for the needy people of the town of Boston. And people come to say the A on her clothes doesn't stand for adultery. It stands for the word able. But her former lover, who she does not disclose, lives in a constant fear that he will be exposed. And he literally worries himself to death. Too bad the Puritans didn't have access to the sacrament of confession like we do. It's a safer, lower pressure way to place our sins before God and to receive graces for the journey ahead. So, if it's been a few months, or a few years, or a few decades since you've been to confession, why not come back to the sacrament in these last three weeks of Lent? We'll have a penance service here on Wednesday night at 7.30. We always have confessions on Mondays and Thursdays at 4 o'clock. You are welcome to make an appointment with Father Charlie or me at any time. And I would also trust you to any of the priests at Immaculate Conception, First Church that way, or any of the priests of Sacred Heart, the First Church that way. What are the shadows inside of you that scare you? Does it take more energy to hide those shadows or ignore those shadows than the energy it would take to place those shadows in the light of God and ask God for help? The Pharisees in our passage tonight claim to see God's working in the world, yet they remain sinfully blind. But there is hope. Not all the Pharisees remain blind to Jesus the Christ. The Bible tells us of one Pharisee in particular who came to be Christ's most powerful advocate, giving his entire life, his strengths and his weaknesses, the points of light and the shadows of his life, all to the gospel. Of course, his name was Paul. But before he was able to see He was literally struck blind for three days. When we're brave enough to examine our shadows, we rob the darkness of its power. You have literally sat in the dark for most of the last half hour. But I bet that you can see more clearly now than you could when you first entered the room. What you hear in the dark... You must speak in the light. You are salt for the earth. You are light for the world.